Hang on, hang on. All right. This seems like a weird topic to do right after that song. (laughs) You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to shift gears on people, but we're going to. So we're doing a study in Proverbs, as you know, and (laughs) one of the topics is going to be the fool rages, so you're going to watch me be tested now for the next half an hour by the Lord. Um. So we're doing a study in Proverbs. It's a very practical study. We thought it was a good time to just spend some time in God's word of wisdom and cutting different topics. So I'm going to tell you up front, this is not a feel-good, huggy, lovey kind of thing. Um, This is talking about the fool and foolishness. So it's going to be a bit challenging. might be a bit convicting. Um, I'll apologize now if I hurt anybody's feelings and anything I hit on. I'm not looking at targeting anybody, but I think it applies to all of us. And... um, it's something that we really need to think about seriously, and I'm going to explain why. We turn me to Proverbs 8, before we begin with studying the fool. And the goal this morning is to look at what is the fool and what is foolishness for our own personal lives, for our spiritual growth. That's kind of the main idea. So in Proverbs 8, it says, Does not wisdom cry out, and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill, beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Here we go. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was even an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primeval dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. 
Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watching at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Let's commit our time to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for your word. And in it we realize there is absolute and perfect truth. And as we read these things of wisdom that were with you from the beginning, and as we study this morning uh, the opposite of wisdom, foolishness, may our hearts be those who hear the call and, and reach out and respond to the call of wisdom that you so desperately want to give us. And so, Father, bless our time this morning and the things we discuss. Uh, may it help us to grow. May it help us to transform and may it deepen our walk in relationship with you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So I read all that to kind of give us a baseline of where we're starting from, the importance of wisdom. We're studying almost the opposite, really, uh, in foolishness. And so it's kind of a challenge, but the important thing I want to start as a baseline is that wisdom is with God, has always been with God. Everything God has ever done, wisdom is a part of it. And so for us who now have a relationship with God, we realize this is the character of God, and he wants us to have it. So we're not really allowed the luxury of being stupid. Stupid is before. Stupid is not now. By stupid, I mean foolishness. So as we study Proverbs, prepare yourself, I've never done this before. All right, so I couldn't resist. When we study the scriptures, especially when we study a book of wisdom like Proverbs, which is about how to live your life righteously with God, there's two ways we want to approach it. We want to study others against it. That's how we discern evil people. That's how we discern unrighteous people. That's how we discern who we hang out with. That's how we discern who needs our help. That's how we understand who we're relating with. But we also, more importantly, need to study ourselves. You notice the mirror is cracked. Um, that's what happens when you study the Word and you look in the mirror, right? You go, man, I don't measure. That's really, when you honestly, truly look into the Word of God as it is a mirror, as we are told to do, you're going to find the mirror cracks. But it's not the end of the story. But this is the reality. So this is the way we're going to kind of look at it this morning. A lot of times we're going to look at things and we're going to see definitions of, of foolishness and fools in different ways, and you're automatically going to think of someone in your life. Maybe someone here. It might be me. I don't know. But you're going to see, oh, I, I see that in him, and I see that in her, and boy, that person at work, you know. But you've got to look inside. You've really got to start inside. You've got to reflect internally. Because the truth is, before God, we were all foolish. Without Christ, we are foolish. And the only wisdom we have is from God. And that has to be learned, and it's something that we gain. And we don't want to just take it on uh, benefit of a doubt. Well, because I'm saved now, I must be wise. It's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true. So those of us who want to grow in Christ need to realize that we need to grow in wisdom. And I'm not talking about intellectual growth and raising your IQ. I'm talking about how you live your life, the decisions you make, the decisions I make, who we hang out with, what we do, what we spend our money on. All these things change now under Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, thank you. So, with that, let's see if this works. It don't. All right. Very good. I'll just stand right here. So we know this, but I've got to start with a definition. What is a fool? It's a person who acts unwisely or imprudently, a silly person. A 
person who lacks judgment or sense. Those are kind of the definitions from the dictionaries. Um, and it's pretty obvious. That's what we call a fool, someone who just doesn't have any judgment. Everything they do, they just keep making mistakes. Biblically, in the Old Testament, the words will typically be defined from stupid, silly, or even wicked. And in the New Testament, the definition from our buddy Strong will be mindless, stupid, rash, unbelieving, dull, and my favorite, blockhead. If there's anything that defines the word fool, it's the word blockhead. It, it just clarifies everything. You go, man, that guy's a blockhead. I know exactly what you mean. I know the type. I know the type. Someone who's kind of dull. They just don't get it. They're just not thinking. But we do have to realize that the word wicked is in there because foolishness is not from God. If it's not from God, then it's evil. So it's something we have to take seriously. <laughs> you heard that crunch, right? Did I pull the cable out? All right. Here we go. I really wanted to do slides. Oh, yeah, I pulled it right out of the wall. Nice. This is the end that's broken. All right. Let there be light. Hold on. Come on, buddy. Don't let me hang in. Oh, this is awesome. I'm telling you, this is a test. All right, so that's not what I want. I want. Appreciate your patience. Cool. All right, hold on. We'll get this. I'm sorry. It never fails. Never fails. And you know, I've been. I mean, I know. Like I've been a PowerPoint guy for a long time, and I've kind of stopped based on depending on the topic. And I just kind of feel like. Um, this topic really lends itself to the PowerPoint because it's lists. It's, we're going to cover a lot of verses, and we'd be here forever if we were doing... Um, hold on. If I had to flip through all the verses, but I really want to be thorough. I don't want to take just a couple things and be... Um, the laptop's dying. Cool. All right. Let's catch up. Boom, 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 boom. So now i got to move a little faster. So the first character trait of the fool that we recognize is there's someone who lacks self-control. You cannot imagine right now how much self-control I am exercising yeah. after that. <laughs> you really don't know. My mom knows. My wife knows. Um, um, 20, I'll tell you the truth. 25 years, 27 years ago, before I was saved, that'd be through the wall. I'm not joking. It would be through the wall after I punched it about five times. But praise God, he's changed my heart. And I just go, ah, you know, stuff happens, right? So the fool, and I'm not saying I'm not a fool. I'm just saying I got self-control. So the fool lacks self-control. The first person we want to look at is our buddy in Proverbs 7. You should know this story very well because it's a key point. Proverbs 7 is the young man, and let me stress this. Um, Parents, especially parents of teens, we should be in Proverbs with our kids regularly, as much as possible. And this story is especially important when it's not just the specifics of the story, but there's a bigger spiritual story here. If you don't know the story of Proverbs 7, it's a young man who's out walking around. And the guy looks out his window and he sees him. And he sees a simple young man. And next thing you know, he's enticed by a woman whose husband is out of town. And he goes into her. And he goes into her house. 
and her husband actually comes in and kills him. That's the story. I just summed up Proverbs 7 for you. And, but there's a spiritualness to it, not just the physical, obviously, uh, sin of the young man and the woman, but also the spiritual application of being tempted. There are things that just go, hey, come on in. It's a good time. Don't worry about that. Come on, it's a good time. And this guy, it says, you know, he's out there, and she calls him, and she entices him with all these promises. And he goes, immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. The fool has no self-control. Now, some of the important points of that proverb is what is he doing out? What's he out doing walking around at night? What's he doing out in that part of town? It's almost like he's looking and asking for it and hoping it's going to happen, right? So before there's self-control, there has to be the wisdom to avoid the temptation. The fool puts himself in a tempting position. The fool puts himself in a tempting position. The wise man says, I'm not even going near that. I may have the strength to resist that temptation. I may not. But I'm not going to be so stupid as to put myself in that condition and be tempted. So I don't go there. So this young man shouldn't even have been walking out in the town. But then he just goes for it. He can't wait. As soon as she says, my husband's out of town, come on in, he goes right in. It's going to lead to his death. So the fool lacks self-control. It says, a fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. The theme of this proverb, the reason it says covers shame, it's the idea that the prudent man's been insulted. And he's going to cover his shame. He could respond in wrath. He's been wounded. He's been offended. Something's been said. that has got, like He has the right to be upset. But the prudent man says, I'm not going to handle it that way. I'm not going to respond in anger to this offense. I'm going to cover it. I'm going to put it aside. You know why? Because your dignity is more important than your revenge. Your dignity is more important than your revenge. The fool just lets it fly and says, you can do that to me. Watch what I'm going to do to you. There's no self-control. The prudent man, and if you don't know the difference, prudence is actually the practical application of wisdom. So the prudent man is taking wisdom, which says, I can't win this. And we'll talk about this a little bit more detail in another character. But I can't win this, so I'm just going to keep my dignity, and I'm not going to bother wasting with this fool. The fool just lets it fly. I'm upset. I'm hurt. I'm going to let everybody know. Somebody's going to get hurt because I'm hurt. There's no self-control. The prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. The fool walks around telling everybody what he's doing, what he's going to do, why he's going to do it. It's such a great idea. Never shuts up. The prudent man takes the time to gather the knowledge before he makes a decision. He doesn't have to think out loud and burden everybody with his idiocy. He takes the time to actually think and collect information. The prudent man acts with knowledge. He doesn't make a move until he knows what he's getting into and what the repercussions are going to be of it. The fool just lays it out. He goes, I want to do that, so I'm going to do it. I don't care. I want it. I'm going to do it. The fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Same theme. The fool just got to let everybody know he's upset. Instead of even thinking about why he's upset, the fool doesn't take the time to think, you know, maybe they're right. <laughs> you know, maybe I deserve that. The fool doesn't think, maybe that person who just hurt me uh, is hurting. And maybe I need to have compassion. The fool thinks about himself. And when you think about yourself, that's your primary focus, and so you don't have any self-control because it's all about you. That's the life of the fool. See, there's a mature way to handle these things with dignity, with class, with Christ-likeness, with gentleness. I've always said that, I always 
felt that, you know, you, you can always deal with it later, but once it's out, you can't take it back. If I take the time to think about how I want to respond to something, my response is still my own. Once it's out, I can't get it back. And I could do more damage by just flying off the handle and not thinking before I react or before I speak. Proverbs 29 also says, Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now think about that for a second. We're talking about how being a fool is the opposite from the character of God. So it is completely despised by God from his nature because wisdom is with God. Foolishness is the opposite of God. And here's a person who is even lower than the fool. Hasty with their words. That's how God views it. That's how important self-control is before we respond. We have the ability. If you never did before, I didn't. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't, and sometimes I still struggle with it. But it's amazing the power of God, if you give it over to him, will give you the strength and the time to think before you speak. You can always say it tomorrow. You can't take it back. You can always sit down with the person. You know, sometimes, you know, listen, we all hurt people and we all get hurt. It's part of life. It's part of, even in a church, or outside a church, wherever it happens. But whenever you take the time to think before you respond, you will change the way you think about it. Yeah, the initial reaction may be anger. It may be hurt. And that's normal because we're human. But if we take the time, we'll often find that, you know what, I need to pray for this person. We need to talk to this person and tell them that I was hurt so that we can come to peace and have an accord and heal our relationship rather than just you hurt me so I'm going to hurt you. Now what, what do you have? You just have, uh, what's that word uh, from war, you know, side people who die, you know what I mean? What's the word I'm trying to think of? Collateral, collateral damage. Thank you. Thank you, collateral damage. Very good. I knew Tim would do it. All right. The, the uh, foolish man is also stubborn and gullible. And the reason why I put these two together um, is because there's a similarity to the character. Um, you know, the stubborn man, well, we'll go through it. So here's, a, here's kind of a nasty proverb. Everyone kind of goes like, oh, every time they read this one, right? It's like, ah. Oh. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Think, <laughs> that's so nasty. <laughs> so gross. Um, we, we have a rule in our house. It's been since the kids were small. I don't do puke. That's it. I'm out. I'm not touching that stuff. That's all. She's got to handle it. So it's not even comfortable for me to talk about it. But the idea here is the, the vomit is because it digested something bad for it. It's not just that it's going back to something gross because it's stupid. Something made it sick, and it's going back to it. And it's made it sick, and it's going back to it. That's the fool. The fool refuses to learn from his mistakes, especially... This is what makes them a fool more than anything else, when they're self-harming. The dog got sick for a reason. We get sick for a reason. There are things we do that harm us. The fool keeps going back. We all make mistakes. We all go, man, I wish I had thought about that more before I did it. The fool keeps going back. The fool does not learn from his mistake. We have to measure ourselves, look in that mirror and go, what am I doing? Do I keep making the same mistakes? Um, I know, I know it, was a, it was a different topic. It was a really long time ago, but I remember sharing one time um, 
the heartbreak I felt one Sunday morning as I was preparing my heart before partaking in the emblems and I'm confessing my sins before God. And I'm like, I'm confessing the same things all the time. God, what is wrong with me? Why am I confessing the same things every week? Something wrong with me. I'm not progressing. I've got to deal with this stuff. I can't just go, sorry, sorry, sorry some more. You know, that's the fool. The fool goes, I'm going to do it again because I don't know any better. The wise man learns from his mistakes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. A nice comparison of, of the two different schools of thought. Listen, the fool believes what he believes, and he doesn't want to hear anything else. He's already made up his mind. There's no counsel that he needs. I already know. I got it. I got it. But, you know, I got it. But the bridge is up. I got it. I'm going over this way, right? But the wise man heeds counsel. The wise man, you see many times in other Proverbs, seeks counsel. Before you heed counsel, you must receive counsel. To receive counsel, you typically have to ask for counsel. We should be those who seek counsel and not just be flying off going, well, because I thought it, it must be right. There's information that maybe other people have that could save us a lot of pain and heartache. But we refuse. We just say, I know what I know and I'm good. I'm going to just going to do what I, what I want to do. The fool is not only not interested uh, in the facts, but he actually doesn't want anything that would cause him to change his mind. Again, this is me as a kid. Um, I don't know how many times my brother almost killed me because he was trying to tell me something. That was going to save me a lot of trouble. Shut sure, up, I know what I'm doing. Right? That's kind of how we talk when we're the youngest. Right? right? <laughs> James and I share the... We're youngest, we have older brothers. I'm one of three, he's one of two, but we both have older brothers. So, um, I don't know if you met his older brother, but that's the, um, he's a good guy. The, um, um, but that's kind of the, the stubborn man just doesn't want to hear counsel. He's just fixed on what he wants to do. The wise man wants counsel. The wise man says, give me some advice. You've done this before. Even just, hey, can you take a look at what I'm doing? I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Does it look all right? That's the wise man. He avoids himself a lot of trouble. The fool just says, I know what I'm doing. And then there's the gullible. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. I'm struggling with how to address this. (laughs) I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's something that I've been burdened about for a long time. So I'm going to try and let it fly, but I'm also going to be kind of hopefully gentle. Um, this has been a, a burden on my heart of the church in America today. We're believing way too much stupid stuff. We're believing anybody who says it, as long as they say that they're pro-marriage and anti-abortion, we go, well, he must be right. He must be a good guy. And we don't even think, we don't investigate. We just get behind people whose really only agenda I'm going to be completely honest with you. Between media and news and politics and government, all these different things, really their only goal is to exploit us for their gain. They know what our interests are, and we just go, okay, sounds great. Which way to go, George? Like, we don't think. We don't think and measure these people. We have to. There's only one position that we have to take. It's Christ. 
It's Christ. It's no politician. It's no TV show. It's no news network. It's Christ. Christ alone. You get behind anything else and let them work you up. I'm reading this internet site. It's really good. No, they're just exploiting you. They're exploiting your faith because we're gullible, because we want to believe it. And I'm begging you, think. Think. Hope that was gentle enough. I didn't want to get too harsh. Um, The fool has a foolish tongue. And Brian talked about this really well last week. So I have a lot of verses on it. Um, But I really appreciated the fact that Brian shared something that I, when I was meditating on this for for before, he spoke, I want to share the exact same thing that someone said to me. It's better to be silent and thought a fool than open your mouth and prove him right. Man, there's anything true in life, it's that. I had someone had to say to me, I was a young musician playing in a band, a guy who was older than me, and he had to pull me aside and go, Greg, better be silent and thought a fool than open your mouth and prove him right. I was just, you know, a young 20-year-old thinking I knew what I was talking about. Um, But the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. The reason I have this verse is the word prating. The word prating means someone never shuts up. They don't shut up. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That was me when I was five. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. A prating fool is going to end up falling because he's not getting any counsel. You can't get a word in edgewise, or if you're the one who's talking, you're not going to get any counsel because you're doing all the talking. The way you get counsel is you shut up and listen. And you let it speak to your heart. And you think, maybe that's true. It's not about what you know. You already know what you know. You need to receive the counsel so you think differently. If you're talking constantly, you can't. Brian talked about slander, so I'm just going to mention that whoever spreads slander is a fool. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. I'm going to talk about quarreling a little bit later. A fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calls for blows. <laughs> his mouth. I'm going to smack this guy. I'm going to smack this guy, right? He's just asking for it. That's the fool. If people want to hit you, you're, you're doing something wrong. You, you can trust me on that. If, if people are like, you know, like you're in the store or something like that. I, I, I've done this in the past, in the past. Mouth off to somebody in the store. I think, you know, I'm going to be a smart aleck. I'll send the guys like, really? I'm like, no, 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 I'm just kidding. Right? So, a long time ago. But that, that's, that's the character of the fool. He provokes people. Are people getting provoked by the things you say? You've got to think about what you're saying. Fool's mouth is his destruction. Same theme. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. There is a purity that's expected of those who walk with Christ. There is a purity that is expected. So we need to be careful with what we say. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. I've got another topic that I'm going to bring this up in. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. The reason I have that proverb is because of what Christ said. It is not what enters the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of it. What are we saying? Even in the jesting and the joking around, what are we saying in our daily conversations? What are we saying at work? What are we saying at home? Are, are they wise things? Are we dispersing things that benefit and bless others? Because if it's not, you may have the heart of a fool. 
It's what comes out that makes you a fool. It's not what goes in. And so Christ speaks to that very clearly. You can look through the, the, the Gospels as well. Christ, you know, he's, he's got the Pharisees and scribes as fools, or foolish generation. Again, those who are opposed to God and not walking with God all fall into that same category of a fool. It's the heart. It's the heart that's desperately wicked. So if words are coming out of my mouth and I start to evaluate and put myself in that mirror, that cracked mirror, and I realize the words that are coming out of my mouth are not edifying, they're not glorifying, there's something wrong with my heart. There's something wrong with my heart. Now God's the healer. He wants to heal that. He wants to correct that. He doesn't want to condemn. We are no longer under condemnation. So all we have to do is go to God with that. To God, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize all these things that come out of my mouth are embarrassing you. Cleanse my heart. Change my heart. God changes the heart. The words will change. All right, so here's a big topic for me here at Brantford Bible Chapel. And um, again, don't not point at anybody. Don't mean to cause any offense, but we're going to kind of um, address this with some honesty here um, and sincerity. Because sometimes your strength, if not properly managed, can become your weakness. Your strength can become your weakness. We are a wonderful, loving, friendly, happy, fooling around kind of church. We have a lot of fun with each other. But there are lines that need to be drawn. There are lines that need to be respected. And I think that sometimes we do foolish talk here too much. I really do. I think we go from the, the, the simple little banter and the fun to actually hurtful things. Avoid foolish disputes. And I'm going to actually hit some New Testament verses. Avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. The disputes in the body about these things are foolish. We need to focus on what unites us, which is Jesus Christ, not the things that divide us, and in a way that causes us to fight and argue. There are going to be differences in the church. That's why we're in this church and not in another church, because we have certain beliefs and hopefully we're all unified in the things that we believe. That's why we're all here together. But there's a way to discuss these things. There's a way to study these things. There's a way to come to an accord on these things. There's a way to uh, pray about these things and say, hey, what does the Scripture really say? You know, I want you to know, I mean, as James mentioned, the reason why we're doing this question and answer thing on Wednesday, we've been trying to let everybody know how approachable we are. If you've got a question, you've got a concern, you don't understand something, you disagree with something, wherever the case may be, Come talk to us. Maybe it's a misunderstanding on your part. Maybe it's something that we've never thought about. I've heard some things people talk about, and I'm like, where'd you hear that? Well, that's the way Brantford is. No, it's not. But people just pick it up, and they think that's the way we are. So we want to you know, answer those kind of questions. But there's a way to do it so it's not foolish, so it's not causing division and breaking apart the church. Again, in 2 Timothy, that was Titus. In 2 Timothy, he says, avoid foolish, and now he calls them ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. I'm not saying we can't discuss things, and I'm not saying we can't disagree on things. I'm saying there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it that glorifies God, that doesn't condescend to other people, that doesn't insult people's intelligence or their beliefs. 
We may discuss something. You and I may sit down and study the scripture and we pour it out and we pray about it together and we go bang, 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 bang. And when we're done, we don't agree. That's okay. It's okay. Because we have Christ in common. When we get away from Christ, we get into disputes. When we get away from Christ, we get into offenses and division. Christ has to be the center of our relationship. Now, well, you know, I was reading this, and did you see that there? And I wrote that word. Come on. I mean, let's study those things. We want to know the scriptures, but not, let's not let them be used by the enemy as a point of division between us. Now, here's my main point. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. If I'm pointing a finger, i got three coming back. I love to joke around, and I realize I cross the line sometimes, and I've had to go to people and go, man, I'm sorry, I was trying to be funny, and I was wrong. You've got to realize that that's not the right way to talk. We need to love each other. This needs to be a place where every person who walks in, whether it's their first time or if they've been coming forever, feels loved and welcomed. So good to see you. Man, I missed you. How you doing? That's why we need to talk to each other. Would you get those shoes out of the Goodwill box? Right? I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm funny. I'm joking around with Isaac, and I will probably brutalize him again. But that's, that's the one rule here, by the way. Teens, I'm not showing you any mercy. But everyone else... We need to talk to each other in love and encouragement and be careful with the foolishness. You know, when there's intimacy, when people are really close and we've hung out together and we've done things and we understand each other really well and we joke about a little thing that was between us, all right, that's fine. But you know what? When we start insulting each other to be funny, it's not okay. It needs to stop here. It really does. We need to encourage each other with loving, encouraging words, and that's it. We could joke a little bit between those you're really close to that you've done things with. Maybe you went camping with somebody and something happened and you make a little joke about it. That's fine because you know it's not going to hurt their feelings. But I think that we crossed the line here. And the reason why I'm so stressed about this right now is how it's affecting the youth. I think it's affecting our youth. From the teens down to the little ones. They watch us joke and they don't understand the discernment and maturity, believe it or not, that we use. And now they're trying to joke with each other. You know what they're doing? They're hurting each other's feelings. And that's not okay. It's not okay. We need to purposely, parents, youth group leaders, Sunday school teachers, everybody in this room, we need to purposely, explicitly teach these children how to talk to each other. Because they're watching us and they're picking up the wrong habits. They don't see me and James hug each other and give each other a kiss and all that stuff. They hear the joke. And then they go say to a friend who doesn't have the maturity to handle that kind of joke. And people's feelings are getting hurt. People's feelings are getting hurt. And that's not okay. Not here. This is the place where every kid is loved and encouraged by their peers, by adults. So we need to stop it. We need to make sure every child feels included and loved especially the ones sitting by themselves. This is the place where they get embraced. Come on, man. Don't sit by yourself. Don't play by yourself. I'm asking. Maybe we, maybe we make a pact right now. 
right here in this room. Everybody's going to take responsibility to make sure the kids are learning from us loving talk, encouraging talk, inspiring talk, not insults and jokes. They got their whole life to learn that. They really do. Let's encourage. Let's be the model that the kids learn from. And if you catch one, correct them. Just correct them. It's fine. Do it in love. Hey, we don't talk like that here. Hey, come here, man. Listen, I just heard what you said. I know you're trying to be funny. We don't talk like that here. Go tell them you love them. That's what we need to teach kids. If you do not explicitly and purposely teach this to children, they will not learn it. It has to be taught. You have to sit. You cannot just assume that because you're a Christian and you're a Christian home and you go to a Christian church that your kids going to treat everybody nicely. We have to sit them down, sit them down with the Proverbs and the book and the Word and teach them this is how you act. This is how I expect you to act. Make sense? You have to do it on purpose, though. It doesn't just happen. It has to be intentional. You have to set the time aside to do it. Foolish talk also includes the complaining and the backbiting in the church. The leadership is right here. Just come talk to us. You don't like something? Just come talk to us. People in the back room going, I don't know why we do that for our... You know what? Just come talk to us. Maybe you won't like what we tell you, but it's better than talking about us in the back room. Come on. We're a family. So listen. Let's build up the body. Let's build up the body and let's train those coming up so they influence not just this church but the world. We are here to teach it to them and we have to model it and we have to explain it and we have to do it. Let's throttle back the joking and let's push up the love. Okay? The fool causes conflict. There are those people, let's start speeding up a little bit, there are those people who, without strife and contention, aren't comfortable. Maybe it's the house they grew up in, it's the environment they've lived in. If something's not nuts, they're not comfortable. They get kind of weird, and they've got to create problems. That's a fool. So Proverbs says, to do evil is like sport to a fool. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. We should never trouble our own house. Our house should be the place of peace, and this is the house of God. This is more about us being discerning with who we're dealing with. This is more about being discerning with who we're dealing with. You need to know who you're talking to, especially when you're outside the church. Don't let people pull you in who like to create conflict. You've got to watch that. You've got to raise your flags. you got to go, man, all this guy does is complain and try and turn me against someone else and talk about this and talk about that and make problems, problems, problems. You've got to raise the flag. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy's a bad influence on me. Recognize the character. The fool is prideful. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. The wise man backs off, but the fool rages and is self-confident. I know what I'm doing, similar to what we were talking about before. I know what I'm doing. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. You need to know what I think. I don't care what you think. You need to know what I think. That's a fool. People talk like that. Good timing. 
Back, back out. Back out. If they won't listen, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Again, remember what we looked at before. There is more hope for a fool, again, verse we saw before, than for him. A man wise in his own eyes. He's not going to listen to counsel. He's not going to seek counsel. A fool has a better opportunity than him. And by fool, you know, the, the, the ignorant man. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So two points. The fool needs to draw attention to himself. Again, you can recognize the character, and we need to look internally at the character of the fool. Is everything about me? Is everything about what I think? Is the first thing I say what I think? Or is the first thing I say, hey, what do you think? Because if the first thing I always say is, let me tell you what I think, my heart is full of pride. My heart is full of pride. Because when I'm done, I'm not going to ask you what you think. <laughs> I've said what I had to say, and I'm walking away. The wise man starts with, what do you think, Dave? Tell me, tell me what you think about this. That's interesting. Let me tell you what I was thinking. See, there's gentleness there. I show compassion for the other person. You're interested now in what I have to say because I've shown interest in what you have to say. The prideful fool just says, Dave, let me tell you something. All right, got to go. Have a good one. I don't care what you think. That's a prideful man. It's important that we learn how to respond to a fool. There's two verses that cause a lot of people confusion. The first one is Proverbs 26.4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, and I put this in italics, lest you also be like him. What it means is don't sing to the fool's level. If someone's talking stupid and annoying you, don't talk back like that. Either walk away or say, hey, you know, let's, let's talk here because you're getting a little nuts. But don't don't return stupid with stupid. Don't return stupid with stupid. Don't sink to the fool's level. And then the verse that causes everybody confusion is the very next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So the first one is a correction for us. Don't talk to the fool like, like the fool talks, because now you're a fool. But the second one is correct him, otherwise he's going to think he's right. But just don't do it his way. Do it God's way. Don't talk to a fool the way a fool talks. It's so tempting. When people annoy us and they're being stupid, like I work with them all day, you just want to go, here, let me give it back to you the way you give it, right? No. You want to correct a fool for his benefit. And that talks to our heart right there. If I want to give it back to the fool the way the fool gives it, I'm back to the prideful man and I'm a fool. If I want to correct that fool, it's because I care about him. That's the heart of God. So I'm going to correct that fool because I don't want him to make the mistakes either I've made or others have made or he's about to make. But I have to do it in God's way, with gentleness. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. There's a reason why the word fool is used, and this is kind of the big reason why. The fool may not change. The fool may not learn. It doesn't mean we give up on them. It doesn't mean we say we don't bother. But you have to be expecting the fact that they're not going to learn. So don't be discouraged by the fool. Walk God's path in light. Encourage, correct, in love. But when they refuse to change, you've got to realize it's because they're a fool. And that's what they're going to do. 
But, you know, the temptation, especially on my part, is to go, I'm not going to bother with this guy. He's a fool. I don't waste my time. God didn't give up on me, man. God didn't give up on me. The results of foolishness. Now, in Proverbs 1, there's, there's the, the talking of, of wisdom again. And it says this, Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel, this is wisdom, and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with the full, to the full with their own fancies. For the churning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Hey, there, there's an end game to this. The fool's going to end up with something. God's going to reach out his hand. He's going to use us to reach out his hand, and he's reaching out his hand. He's, here's wisdom. God wants us to have wisdom. You've got to realize that. He wants us to be wise. He wants us to make good decisions. But when the person continually rejects it, God's going to let them have whatever they've been striving for. That's what you really wanted. You've rejected me. Not only are you going to get hell, but on this earth, you're going to get all the problems that you've been creating. So we can seek wisdom and avoid them, or God's going to allow us to have them. But you know what? He lets us choose. He let us choose Christ. He lets us choose foolishness. Now, there is hope. I'm almost done. Hang on. There's hope even for the fool. But, in Proverbs 1, right after that section is the next verse. This is beautiful. See, God never closes the door. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear. If we turn to Matthew 7, please. I'm really going to try and end on some positives, believe me. All right. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 24. And I know we know this well. We sing songs about it. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. There is hope in Christ. There is hope in Christ, even for the fool, even for a guy like me. There's hope. Because on Christ, he is the rock. And if we follow his sayings, if we follow him as our Lord, if we follow him as our King, and we trust his word and do his sayings in the entire book, like the man who built his house on a rock, and nothing can prevail against it. Taking a little bit out of context because he's talking about the kingdom, but there's a reality for us in our walk with him in our life. Build your life upon the rock. Paul wrote to the Romans, For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Again, we're being directed and instructed to purposely seek out wisdom. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Walk with dignity. We are the children of the King. 
the Son of God came to earth to pay for our death, pay for our, our, our judgment. He redeemed us. We are special. We are a unique people. We are called out by God. Let's walk like it. Let's act like it. Let's talk like it. Let's show reverence to God with our character, with our words. Not our self-righteousness and our pride and our foolishness and our bad decisions. And every time we make a bad decision, it kind of shames the gospel. People look at us and go, yeah, not for me, because you're stupid. But you know what? When we're wise, it actually reaches the world. When we jump on every stupid thing that's going on and believe it, we're fools. We don't believe. Why should I listen to the gospel if you didn't believe that stupid thing that was on the Internet? Let's tweet it and write about it and put it all over Facebook, and it's not even true. But you know what? When we're wise, the world will listen. Why listen to someone who believes anything? And again in James, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. We are called to do good works, and we are to walk in good conduct, and it can be done in wisdom. Appreciate your patience. I have to show you one more slide because I couldn't resist. I thought that was like the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and I've got to put it up there. Listen, that's the way we can be when we walk in wisdom, when we follow God's word. Hopefully without the you know, kind, of, kind of thumbs up. But instead of a cracked mirror, the mirror can stay whole because we're walking in wisdom, God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. Everything we need is in this book. Everything. It's up to us. Let's pray. Lord our God, we thank you so much for caring so much about us that you've redeemed us, that you gave your Son to call out these foolish, ignorant people. Thank you so much. We ask now, Lord, that you would help us to understand the wisdom of your word, that we would walk and talk and act in a way that glorifies you. That's done through wisdom. That's done through self-control. That's done through kind words and building up words. That's done with humility. Father, let us be like that because we want to glorify you. The time you've given us here, we want to glorify you. We praise you and give you glory this morning. Thank you for the wisdom that was with you before you created anything. So in everything we see purpose, including us. So thank you, Father, for being the wise God of heaven and earth. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you.